Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. All right. Oh, (laughs) that's a nice sign. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you, Reggie. Yes. Um, Happy 400th podcast. Yes, I know it's my 400th podcast. I'm well aware of it, but the sign is nice, and that uh, that little wish is uh, is very appreciated. So thank you very much, sir. You've been around for several years now, Reg, haven't you? you? Were you here for 300? I don't really know. I apologize. Do you remember? You probably just thought, oh, I'm, this is going to be something I'm going to do for a couple of weeks or so, and they'll move me on to something else. But like, I was, I went through a lot of engineers and producers, but you've uh, you've shown your loyalty, so I appreciate that, my friend, and your perseverance. You've been a a loyal sir, a, a loyal soldier in our podcast wars. So thank you very much. But yes, put it in the books. Four hundred. It's basically a speed bump to five hundred. Right? That's let's just keep moving forward. That's the way I look at it. So, are you ready to go? Good, good. Get that trigger finger ready. Star, smile, strong. Put it in the book. 400. Here we go. Get ready. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there and have been for many, many years and many, many podcasts. It's great that you listen, but you know, it's always better to get out there and tell your friends and tell your family and tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. That loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. If you like what you hear, you go to WGNRadio.com, you hit the podcast prompt and you get in there and you hit the prompt for this specific podcast and then it, the podcast fall like manna from heaven just waiting for you to click them download them and listen to them you've been doing it for a long time you've been here since number one I appreciate it, because this one, believe it or not, is episode 400, episode 400, we started in May of 2016, and here we are in January of 2024, and we are in the midst of our four. 100th podcast, and on our way to many, many, many more. People have asked me, are you going to do some kind of a special celebration 
for 400 and um, I did think about it. But, you know, in today's world, everybody, you know, calls attention to the smallest thing they do. That it's almost as if milestones are losing their specialness because everything everyone does is a milestone now. It used to be that achievements were actually achievements and they were noteworthy. And occasionally it was nice to sort of let people know or take a bow. But now people take a bow for almost anything, especially online, especially on, you know, the various social media videos with TikTok and Instagram and everything. Everybody's taking credit and taking a bow for the the simplest things. Oh, I woke up this morning. Oh, I got dressed. Oh, I, I brushed my teeth. So, I don't know, and, and my reaction to that is, I think maybe in the podcast world, this is probably a, a fairly significant achievement to do 400 podcasts. Um, it's the sheer longevity of it. Nobody's told me to stop, <laughs> either the listeners or the radio station, so I'll continue to do it. As long as you're interested and as long as you're listening, I'm happy to oblige. So, yes, welcome to number 400. But the way I look at it, 400 is just a speed bump on the way to five or six or seven. Uh, once again, I, um, I referred to uh, a, a statement once made by Walter Payton, the great Hall of Fame running back of the Chicago Bears in the 70s and 80s when he played. Uh, the league and our culture was beginning to change. And there was this, uh, this shift in behavior. Before, modesty and humility uh, were virtues. Today, they are not even words. I don't even know if they're still in the dictionary. Because uh, we're, everybody is about narcissism and self-promotion. Uh, there was a time when it wasn't socially acceptable to bring overt attention to yourself. Uh, in, in sports, you were if you did that, you were called a hot dog. And in sports, especially any kind of a team-oriented uh, activity, uh, that was frowned upon. You were a member of the team. You were not supposed to take a step out and show uh, yourself above the rest. And that's why many players in the 70s uh, and, and early 80s um, initially were chastised by the media who were still looking at life through the, the, an older prism, a more conservative prism. And as I said, the unwritten rules of sports, football, and basketball, and Baseball and hockey and the major sports, those were unwritten rules that, you know, you didn't call attention to yourself. You celebrated, but you celebrated as a team. You didn't bring attention to yourself. But then in the 70s, in the mid to late 70s, that started to shift. And you had um, uh, athletes like uh, Reggie Jackson, who was a very polarizing 
player. In today's world, you see what Reggie Jackson did, and it it doesn't even turn your head. But, you know, at that time, especially when he played for the Yankees and he had a tumultuous relationship with the manager of the Yankees, as successful as they were, and won a couple of championships, um, Billy Martin, who was the manager of the Yankees, was a old-school player. And he lived and breathed these kind of unwritten sportsman-like rules. And Reggie Jackson was a new kind of player. And when Reggie hit a homer, he would drop his bat and not just put his head down and run around the bases, as which as was the expected way. Reggie would stand in the batter's box and look at it for a while and then toss his bat. And now in today's world, oh my gosh, you're expected to sit there and watch. In the old days in baseball... If you hit a home run and you even hesitated a second to watch it fly, to watch it go out before you started to run, the next batter up, the next batter, not even you, the next batter most likely would get hit with a pitch. And that was a message to the team to tell that guy to get his act in gear. Because you're showing up the pitcher. It's not enough that he hit a home run. We all know you hit a home run. But you don't brag about that home run. Now, in today's world, as I said before, we brag about anything. So players like Reggie Jackson. Um, and and in, uh, in football, there was a, a, a lineman for the New York uh, Jets. It always seems to be New York people that started all this, now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, a guy named Mark Gastineau. And uh, if he made a sack, uh, he, you know, usually a football player would, would sack the quarterback and get up and just walk back to the huddle. But Mark Gastineau sacked the quarterback and walked away from all the rest of the players and made a grand gesture like, look what I just did. And initially that did not go over well. But he continued to do it. The fans started to react to it, and suddenly other players started to do it. And suddenly it became an accepted, almost expected kind of behavior after a good play. The players started to put themselves out there for adulation. And certainly in football, in the early days of football, if you ever watch any old films, you will see that and that's what I'm getting to the point here, when a player scored a touchdown, they might spike the ball. Um, but in the 70s, they started to do dance. The, the, the receivers especially would start to do dances. They would catch the ball, get a touchdown, and start dancing in the end zone. And their other teammates would, would, would um, follow them, and they would do, and then it grew into choreography. And that, again, was initially frowned upon. But as more players did it and more fans reacted to it, it became more accepted to the point now when a player scores a touchdown, the entire offense, offensive line and backfield and everybody, they all they, they pose for pictures. They, they, they do a whole skit practically. 
Players jump into the crowd. They throw the ball. They spike. They don't even really spike the ball anymore. They either score a touchdown, they they toss it into the crowd, or they they take the ball and they run and they jump into the stand so the 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 fans can um, you know can pat them on the back. It's a completely different, totally narcissistic society that we're in. And you and I said a lot of that seemed uh, to initially be born out of the sporting world, at least in my view, from what I remember, as to where where did I see this kind of look-at-me attitude. And suddenly, and obviously in the last 15, 16 years since the, or now it's going to be 17 years this year, the, the, the invention and the introduction of the iPhone and then social media, oh my goodness. I mean, it's we are a look-at-me society, no question about it. But my point is that amidst all that, and even as this was emerging as an accepted way in sports, um, Walter Payton was always a classy player. And occasionally he would spike the ball. He would show a little emotion. But most of the time, when he scored a touchdown, whether it was a one-yard run or a 35-yard run where he would be strong, you know, stiff-arming players and, and, and really making an incredible run, dodging tackles and, and breaking tackles, he would get to the end zone and he would simply flip the ball to the referee. And the reporter started to ask him, well, Walter, why don't you do more of a celebration? That's becoming kind of a, uh, a part of football now, this, uh, this personal celebration. With the, you know, you're not dancing, you're not doing the whole thing. And, and, and later in his career, he'd, every so often he did it, but for the most part, when Walter Payton scored touchdowns, and he indeed scored a lot of touchdowns, he would just flip the ball to the ref. And, and Payton explained that he, he didn't make a big deal about it because in his mind, that was what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to get into that end zone. He was supposed to score that touchdown. And he said, you know, um, those guys that are celebrating like that, overly celebrating, it's it's as if they can't believe they got to that end zone and it can't they can't believe and, and they don't know if they'll ever get there again. And in Peyton's view, he said, It's my job to get there. I'm gonna get there again. And so the way I look at it, I act as if I've been there before and I'll be there again. So there's no need to make this big to-do because I've been here before and I'll be back. Those guys make it sound and look like they can't believe they got there and they don't know if they'll ever get back there again. But I know I'm getting back there. And so that's the way I kind of look at the big idea of celebrations about certain milestones. You know what? I started this podcast to enjoy doing it and I never had a, a number in mind, but in my view, as I said before, I'm at number 400. Well, uh, I've got to hit number 400 if I'm going to hit 500. So I'm acting like I've done it before and I'll do it again. So that's the way I look at it. But I do appreciate you uh, tuning in for number 400, and if you've been here since... Uh, podcast one, uh, I certainly appreciate your loyalty and your devotion. I really do. I don't. I don't say that lightly. Uh, it's been it's been an interesting 
uh, evolution for the podcast, uh, to go back and listen to the earliest ones. Uh, I think the podcast has changed, uh, hopefully for the better. Uh, I try to make it as entertaining and unique and fun and thought-provoking as possible. Uh, and uh, and so hopefully it still is something that you enjoy listening to on a weekly or regular basis, whether you listen every week or whether you don't listen for a few weeks and then you binge all at once. I don't know or I don't really, it doesn't really matter to me what your listening behavior is, but the fact that you are clicking on and listening every week or, or listening and have been listening over the years is... Um, is just a, is a very heartwarming thing to know that uh, uh, I'm making connection with somebody. I really don't know how many people listen to the podcast, to be honest with you. I'm not given much um, of that data. I guess I could ask for it. Uh, I have in the past, and it's been a, a fairly respectable number, enough for me certainly to think that it's worth continuing to. I haven't I, – maybe I should um, – Make an inquiry as to uh, what's the the average you know download per week. I'm sure they have that somewhere. They you know computers love to count, right? <laughs> but regardless whether it's one person, whether it's one thousand people, or whether one one million people, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to thank you personally, as I've said many times in my mind when I do this podcast every week. This is a conversation between you and me, and hopefully. It's one that you look forward to every week. So thank you for 400. And I should tell you that Reggie even remembered, producer and engineer here, Reggie. He put up a nice little sign that said, Happy 400th Podcast. So thank you, Reggie. I have to look back. Poor Reggie. I don't know. You don't even seem to remember uh, when you joined me. But um, I didn't know how long you'd be with me. But here you are. It's been, I, I think you were here for 300. Don't, do you remember? We should check. We should just go back and, and keep listening to old podcasts and see when I start to to refer to you. That's maybe when you came aboard, because I did have several other people that have worked with me over the last eight years, and so some lasted longer than others, but you've been around for a while, so I appreciate it. Good work, good guy, Reggie, the producer. Thank you. So here we are at uh, episode 400, and um, I don't know why... But this past birthday of mine, I've seemed to uh, have found more little interesting tidbits that have um, that have engulfed it for some reason. I've said to you many times that I certainly appreciate birthdays, my birthday, but um, I've got a whole litany of things as to why I don't overly celebrate it. And I've talked about that. You can go listen to the podcast from a couple of weeks ago. But in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about uh, other things that have been connected to uh, my birthday. Um, And I don't know why this birthday seems to be lingering with me more than others, but... um, I thought this would be interesting to continue that. And I, I promise I'll move on from my birthday because there's, there comes a certain point where, you know, you can't keep saying happy birthday to somebody. I think a week or so is fine. But then after that, uh, you know, I mean, it's okay. It's just your birthday is over with, you know, I'll give you a couple of weeks, maybe. But even that seems a little, 
a little uh, you know excessive. I think you know if if people wish you a happy birthday up for about a week after, I would say that's that's appropriate. After a week and a half or so, it's almost like oh, did I have a birthday? I got a phone call from a friend of mine just about a week after who said, oh, geez, I forgot. It was your birthday. You know, happy birthday. I wanted to call. I, was, I, I got reminded, and I said, well, you just got under the wire. It's about a week now. Nice of you to remember. I said, I've already forgotten my birthday. <laughs> oh, aren't I a joy to, to, to be with? <laughs> but it was nice that he remembered, and he called. And I did get uh, a, a couple of, I got one birthday card that was about three or four days after my birthday. So I'm not sure if somebody once again went, oh, geez, you know, and they sent it when they sent it. I didn't even look at the, uh, at the postmark, but yeah, I think about a week and a half is okay. But after, you know, so that's why I said, this is, this will be two weeks after my birthday. So this will be my last kind of talking about birthdays in general according to what just happened on my birthday on january 8th i promise we will move on but i but this i did find uh, a little interesting little tidbit so i thought i'd share that with you uh the uh, today on the podcast so i just mentioned that i got a birthday card about three or four days after my birthday and uh you know i'm look i've i've spoken to you at length about my rules about birthdays, right? I mean, or I mean about cards. I've spoken to you at length about Christmas cards, especially, and how I've got a rule now that's been in place for, I would say, over a decade now about birth, about uh, Christmas cards and, and sending them out. I would say 23, five years ago if not longer we used to send out more than a hundred and some christmas cards and as the years went on uh you know we started to receive fewer in return and we were still sending out the same amount over a hundred maybe even 120 maybe more than that and I think that happens when you're younger. You have a huge, a bigger circle of friends and a bigger circle of, uh, you know, work friends and social friends and family. And as the years go on, a lot of that gets pared down, whether through attrition or through time or changing of jobs. Several factors get into that. But I think when you're younger, you always have a, 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 a bigger circle of friends. Um, but there's no question that over the years, the idea of sending cards has dropped in terms of it being a tradition. It used to be a major tradition, certainly at Christmas. And I think Christmas cards will always be around. People might not, uh, as many people may not send them, but I think older people may still cling to it because Christmas cards seem to be a part of the tradition, and that's what Christmas is really all about. A lot of the holidays certainly have their own traditions, but but more than any other, Christmas is you know has many traditions on its own inherently, and then people have their own Christmas traditions with their friends or with their families. And I think that Christmas cards, even though that idea may be 
uh, kind of old-fashioned. Once again, that's what that's what Christmas is all about, right? Old-fashioned traditions. So while there might be fewer Christmas cards being sent out, I still don't think that the practice will go away. There's no question that the that the uh, the mainstream introduction of the internet back in the mid '90s, when it really became uh, a, a a a mainstream form of communication. Since then, there's no question. I believe that the greeting card, uh, you know, sending out of greeting cards overall has diminished uh, as more people got on. You know, don't forget when the internet started, it was it was mainly used for email and this amazing ability to send a message uh, within a, a nanosecond anywhere in the world. What, what it it completely changed our view of communicating with people, and it's only evolved, or you can say devolved, depending on your viewpoint, since then. But once once the the idea of the email got to be accepted, uh, it quickly was a game changer in terms of, of of human behavior. And one of the things I you know that happened was that people were now sending messages via email rather than sending messages via the mail, whether it was business related or personal related or you know holiday or birthday related and there's no question that that the postal service i think has been uh extremely affected by the use of the internet now they can also argue that in the last say 15 20 years as online shopping has become a a, a, a regular part of society and has put a lot of brick and mortar stores out of business and has completely transformed the retail business. You can argue that delivery services like the post office or UPS or FedEx have, have also uh, gained by being the main, uh, you know, <laughs> the main transportation or distribution source for all the retail shopping. People used to go to malls and shop in person. That's That still happens, but most malls today are ghost towns. Um, and most, most you see many more Amazon and FedEx and UPS uh, trucks than you ever did. So you cannot underestimate the impact that the Internet has had on a variety of of industries and while it has created uh, you know more convenience and efficiencies it has transformed both negatively and positively some of the bedrocks of our society like i said shopping one of them certainly the media has been completely overturned whether it's broadcast news on television but certainly the print side whether it's newspapers and magazines and the radio side People with podcasts just like this, um, you know, completely changed. You don't see as many hard copy newspapers, uh, television and radio now uh, compete 
with TikTok and other social media things. So uh, some major bedrock businesses have been completely overturned. And certainly, the uh, I would think the post, and that's why the, the, the Postal Service is, is in such, uh, you know, financial straits because it was the delivery service and now it is just one of many and while yes they've certainly been able to pick up uh and make up i guess some of the losses through the online shopping with all the mail that comes in with packages uh, there's no question that the good old letter <laughs> the good old stamped letter or the good old stamped greeting card, which used to be in many ways the bread and butter of the Postal Service, uh, has certainly declined in a major way. I mean, do you? I don't know. It depends on your age. Um, but uh, do you know right now how much a stamp costs? Do you know how much a stamp costs? Do you know that stamps just went up two cents three weeks ago for the new year? A first-class stamp now costs 68 cents. It was 66 cents last year. Now, I believe that the post office has done a very smart marketing move. Uh, For those of you who are old enough, you will remember that on the stamps, first of all, if you remember a stamp, you used to lick a stamp. You know, today, the idea of licking a stamp, I don't even know if younger people, if they even use stamps, when they do use them, the idea of licking them doesn't even make sense. There's adhesive on it, they peel them off, and they put it on. There's no question that it's a much better system, but that's relatively new in, 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 the, in the world of stamps. Stamps were always ripped with perforated edges and licked. We couldn't have had one of the most controversial episodes of of Seinfeld without that behavior being a recognized and natural part of our, um, our world, right? If you remember, George's, George Costanza's Fiance Susan died because she licked the envelopes that had a cheap adhesive on the back. And it was a toxic adhesive, and by licking so many envelopes, that's how she died. Well, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same principle. You licked the stamp for the adhesive. Today, I don't know how many people even send an envelope would even lick the back of an envelope or they certainly don't lick the stamp that we know for sure and some envelopes even have a peel off now where there's an adhesive you don't lick that you don't even lick the the envelope anymore but the idea of licking a stamp and licking an envelope that was the way you did it most people today i don't even know if they send anything through the real mail on a regular basis. I, major, now, I'm old school. I still send my bills via the, the via mail. 
I still write a check and I still mail my bills in. So I'm still licking envelopes and I'm peeling off stamps. But I don't know. I mean, most of my friends all pay their bills electronically. So if I didn't, if I didn't send out my bills, I don't even know if I would be buying stamps as much as I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm now that I'm even thinking about it, I really probably, I just have a, I still have a, a hesitancy because the idea of, you know, giving my, uh, my bank information out where, where it's, you know, it's taken out of my bank that just, that, that, that giving out that routing number and all that other stuff to getting that floaty, having that float around. It just, uh, it just, it, 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 it scares me. Maybe I'm being old fashioned. I probably am. Um, but, uh, but to get back to it, the, the post office does a, a very smart thing. For those of you who are old enough to remember, you will remember that the price of a stamp used to be printed on the stamp itself in the corner somewhere. You know, 15 cents, 5 cents, 20 cents. And I think initially they probably printed the price on the stamp because there used to be several different kinds of stamps, first of all. There was a first-class stamp, and then there was like some, you know, like two-cent stamps or one-cent stamps that you could buy. They used to be different denominations. They were almost like dollars. They were all. They were never dollars, though. They were always, you know, cents. It's still right now. It's still sixty-eight cents. We haven't reached the dollar point yet for one stamp. So, so there used to be different denominations of stamps. But I think one of the main reasons that the postal service, and this is just my own theory i don't have any kind of uh you know empirical evidence to back this up but it seems to me that you know for a while perhaps the post office may have always printed this the 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 um the cost of the stamp on the stamp itself to remind people you know this is a pretty good deal you're getting i mean if you live in new york Let's say 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, if you live in New York and you have a letter that you want to get from New York to California for, for 10 cents, perhaps, I'm not sure what a stamp was back in 1970, but I bet you it was about 10 cents, maybe 20. But let's say it's, let's say it's 15, just to be safe, Okay. They're, I think the, the the post office is kind of saying, "Hey, look, you know, gang, uh, this is a pretty good deal we're giving you for fifteen cents. This message, whatever it is, whether it's business related, personal related, greeting card, whatever it is, sending a bill, this thing is this thing in theory can travel three thousand miles from from New York to California or vice versa for fifteen cents or twenty cents back then." Hey, folks, that's not a bad deal. So I think they were, it sounds like maybe they were reinforcing that. Like, hey, just don't forget, you know, this is still a pretty good deal you're getting. But then as the years went on and the post office got more competition from places like FedEx, which which was, you know, delivering things overnight, 
from a business standpoint, that 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 totally changed the world in the eighties when FedEx came along and really took hold. Uh, the business used to the whole world used to move much slower. If you were in business in the eighties, in the early eighties, like say before FedEx, and even in the early days of FedEx, not everybody used it. It was it was common and it was accepted. Like say you talk to somebody on a Monday, and and they were in another state, and you'd say, okay, you know, I've, I've got to, I'm going to send you this information. It was accepted that okay, I'm going to put this in the mail today, and you will you will get this information from me hopefully by Wednesday or Thursday. And that was an accepted business business practice. Can you imagine that in today's world? If we don't get an email or a text within seconds, we're on people's butts. Where are where hey, did you send that to me? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? But that used to be accepted. Yeah, okay, I'll drop it in the mail. And then when you get it on Wednesday or Thursday, call me. <laughs> that's the way the world used to work. That's 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 not that. That, that I know that sounds like you might as well be using a horse and buggy instead of a car. But that's it wasn't that long ago, and that was the standard procedure. But I think as the post office started to get in more financial trouble, you know, all of a sudden the stamp, and once again, even in today's world, a stamp of 68 cents. Okay, I mean, what else costs 68 cents? A candy bar is like $1.50 now. <laughs> I mean, you know, yes, let's say that the can, let, let's use once again that the, let's, let's say 40 years ago a stamp was 20 cents. You know, let's say, uh, you know, in 1980, you know, it was 20 cents. And now it's, 68 cents, almost 70. Okay, so that's three times. Almost, you know, three and a half times it's gone up in the last 40 years. So you could say, wow, that's a lot. But it was so cheap before that it's still under a dollar. There's not much stuff you can get for under a dollar. But I think the the Postal Service got wise, especially as they started to rise raise the price for a stamp every year. That, you know, several years ago now, they started this whole idea of the forever stamp. So it was good. Now, you know, before, I mean, you know, you'd have that, you'd have that price on the stamp, you know? So, okay, if you're going to mail something, and you still have to do this, you know, to some extent, but in terms of buying it, at least when I, now, it's like, like last year, before this year started, I bought six months worth of stamps at 66 cents. So now I'm going to have six months worth of stamps that I only paid 66 cents for, as opposed to if I would have just bought one stamp, you know, one book, I would have been paying 68 cents now. So I've got six months of stamps that I bought for 66 cents that will last me. So that's the advantage of the forever stamp. But the other side of the coin is, if you look now, the stamp no longer has the price on it. It says forever, 
but it no longer has the price on it because I don't think they want to remind you of how much a stamp costs anymore. That's why I asked you before, do you know how much a stamp costs? Because they wisely stopped printing the price of the stamp on it. They've, they kind of quietly announce, I mean, it's, it's, it's out there. It's not like they're doing it secretly, but they're not blowing trumpets. You may hear it on the news one day. You may see it online, but if you don't, then you don't. And, but, you know, January 1st, stamps will go up another two cents, another three cents. So sometimes you don't even realize it when you go to buy some stamps and you go, wait, well, how much is it now? I'm buying 20 stamps and how much is this? Oh, well, oh, they're 68 cents now? I thought they were 65. I thought they were 64. No, that was several years ago. So the post office is quietly raising the price of stamps now almost every year by a couple of cents. But you wouldn't know it because it's not on the stamp anymore. And that's pretty smart. They they don't want to remind you that they keep raising the price. They just put forever on there. And it sounds like, oh, well, stamps are stamps. But they're costing more. So it's an, an interesting little marketing mind game that goes on. And pretty soon, no question about it, in a couple of years, a stamp will cost a dollar. We're inching up to that. I mean, as I said, I'm sure next year a stamp will be 70 cents. You say, wow, you know, but then you think about it. Well, 70 cents. If, if, if I walked up to you today and asked, can I borrow 70 cents? I think you'd, you'd, you'd borrow that to me, right? You'd say, oh, yeah, here's three quarters. You know, here's 75 cents. Yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking too much of that. But if you told me that 10 years ago, and I don't know how much it was, but if you told me 10 years ago, you know, a stamp was 50 cents 10 years ago, and now it's going to be 70 cents or whatever. Well, you'd go, Oof, wow, that's kind of a, a hike. But if I asked you for 70 cents, you probably wouldn't be all that turned off to borrow somebody 70 cents. So still, I think... Mailing a letter and the stamp is still a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. Yes, it's going up. Everything's gone up. But it's not going up five cents or 20 cents. It's going up a couple of pennies every year. There's no question it will be a dollar at some time in the near future. But what hasn't gone up, right? But as I said before, when I started, when I instituted my my new, which isn't even even that new anymore now, my Christmas card edict. Part of it was because the stamps were getting more expensive, and the cards themselves were getting more expensive. There was a time when you could buy a box of cards, probably you know twenty five cards for like five dollars, but now you get sixteen cards for like. $20. And then you add the price of the stamps, which are always going up. And it's, once again, it's not going to break your bank. But you know what? It's, it's a couple hundred dollars that you go, I don't know. Is this an expense I really need to be, uh, you know, putting out now? Especially since 
I'm sending out, it seems, more cards than I'm getting back. And I've told you many times on this podcast that my new edict is that we will not send out cards next Christmas unless we get half as many as we sent out plus one. It's kind of like a takeoff on the way some laws are passed. Now, I should tell you, just in case you're wondering, we did... In 2023, we did surpass the half plus one requirement. So, yes, in 2024, we will be sending out Christmas cards. But I I wonder, we're still debating, and we, we might pare down the list even more based on who we're getting them from. We're getting them from a base of people, but... There's some fringe people that we haven't seen in many years that it's almost like, you know, we keep sending them to them. They're not sending them back to us. What what are we, what's the point? Which brings me to the idea of the birthday card. As I said, now Christmas, Christmas is built on tradition. I think I'll always send out some kind of Christmas cards. Maybe not as many as I have traditionally, even in the last couple of years, but Christmas cards, I think, will always be around because it's just a part of the tradition. And of course, now everybody in the look at me world, they're sending out pictures of themselves on their cards, right? Another aspect of the look at me culture I don't know. I should, that's a good point. I haven't thought about that, but I'm gonna. I still have my Christmas cards from this year. I should look back. I'm gonna, or if I can't find them this year, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at them for this Christmas upcoming. I'm gonna start to count how many general Christmas cards I get and how many photo Christmas cards I get. I bet you the majority of Christmas cards that people send out are photos of themselves. Why? Getting back to what I talked about before, we're in a look-at-me society. People want to show off their family. They want to show off their kids. They want to show off where they've gone on vacation. A lot of the pictures now on these Christmas cards have backgrounds of the Eiffel Tower or you know the, the Roman Colosseum or the pyramids. I mean, look, I still send out traditional Christmas-oriented cards. Most of the cards I send out because I love for Christmas, because I love Santa, they have Santa on them. The last couple of years, we've actually, because my wife likes snowmen, we've actually been able to find we have actually been able to find uh, find Christmas cards that have both Santa and a snowman on it. So we've been sending those out. But I I have rarely sent out. A photo Christmas card. Only, I believe, since I've been married, I only sent out one in more than 30 years. And that was simply because it was a pretty cool one. There was a picture of me and my wife and Elton John, and I had a Santa hat on. So I thought that, and even though I took the picture in, in August when we met him backstage <laughs> at a concert about 30 years ago, uh, but I brought a Santa hat thinking that this is going to be my Christmas card. So that year we did send out Christmas cards with pictures. Um, but now I would say, the maj- I, 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 I don't know if we got 50-50. We, we probably got even more. I'm going to, I'm going to count them in this Christmas when we get them. 
But the birthday card, I'm really wondering. Now, if you go to a card store, if you go to the card aisle at a, at a, you know, at a CVS or a Walgreens or, or even your grocery store, they have a card section. It seems, though, that like the, in, 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 in the grocery store, the card section is not as big as it used to be, in some stores at least. Um, so Christmas, I mean, you know, a, a cards for, for occasions are still out there. There's no question about that. It's not as if they're going away or they're, or they're, but I wonder how many people send them. You might, you know, get a card with a present. It might accompany the present, but I wonder how many people send out Christmas cards. I mean, or birthday cards. Now I just had my birthday on January 8th, a few weeks ago. And I got a few cards. Now, I should preface this. I don't have a big, large circle of friends. I don't have, at this point, a very big family. You know, when I was an only child. So the pool of people that would send me a card is certainly much smaller. The people that I would think would send a card uh, are probably more on the older side. It's probably more of an older tradition. I don't know how many cards I got, but I don't think I... I may have gotten 10 overall, but I don't even know if I got 10. So I'm wondering if the birthday card is still a popular thing to get. Now, maybe I'm the wrong person to gauge this by. Some people might have a huge family and huge friends and say, Jim, what are you talking about? I get 40 cards for my birthday. Maybe that's the case. Now, I will say the reason I brought this up was because, while I didn't get a lot of hard copy cards, I was honored and humbled and overwhelmed and shocked that I got probably close to 500 online birthday wishes. I, that I was, I was shocked and amazed and deeply touched through, in, through social media and email. I did get almost 500 birthday wishes, whether they were general kind of have a great day on my Facebook page or uh, within some post that I posted. I posted some pictures of, of my parents on my birthday and, and me on my birthday and people responded and, and uh, to those pictures and wished me a happy birthday or they just posted on my Facebook page, happy birthday, or they direct messaged me on Facebook, happy birthday, or they emailed me personally, happy birthday. So I got now, I, and I'll be, and I'll admit it, I, I, out of those, once again, I said, I don't have a big circle of friends. And you say, well, Jim, how could you say that? You got 500 responses. But I would say, you know, a lot of the people I may have never met, but I'm Facebook in quote friends with them and my name popped up. And they might visit my page every day. It was very nice of them to take even two seconds out of their day 
to send me a message. And if you did that, I really do appreciate it. And it was, and it really meant a lot. Um, and it was fun to watch as the tally went up during the day. Believe me, uh, you know, I, I, I talk about this being a narcissistic society, but I'm not immune to it, right? <laughs> so I was deeply touched and, and humbled and overwhelmed by the amount of people that took even a couple of seconds to wish me a happy birthday. And, and, and if you did, I really do appreciate it. But when I saw the difference between how many online wishes for birth, happy birthday I got from people and how many hard copy cards I got, I'm like, okay, I wonder if a trend is happening here. Christmas is Christmas. But I wonder, are birthday cards becoming somewhat obsolete especially excuse me especially when you hit a certain age maybe now here's another caveat <laughs> you know i like lists and you know i like rules and many of them i make up on my own <laughs> here's the thing if you go to a card store or you go to the card section of a grocery store or a pharmacy or something like that where they have a big card section. You know, they're they're very divided now by occasions, you know, for her, for him. Now you're going to see a little section for Valentine's Day and thank you and sympathy and weddings and births and you know, there's there's all these cards for all these different occasions. And like I said, a lot of these may accompany uh, gifts. I don't know how many people are mailing cards anymore. I don't know. I know they're still sending birthday wishes, but I think it seems to me that I'm at least receiving many, many more electronically than I am through the mail, through hard copy cards. But here's the thing that I think is a hard, fast rule that should be adhered to. Now, when you look within the birthday section at the card shop or in the card aisle, wherever you go to buy your cards, if you still do, you will see one section that has cards for birthdays based on ages, right? You've seen that. It's your first birthday. There's a big one on the card. Or fifth birthday. Or sixth or second, third. You know, for little kids, I think they pretty much go up to 10. You know, there'll be a card. Hey, one. Hey, hey, two-year-old. Hey, four-year-old. Hey, six-year-old. Hey, eight-year-old. Hey, 10-year-old. And then, of course, there's the 16-year-old card. Because that's always a... Uh, you know, sort of a little milestone. You're 16. I'm not sure why 16 became such a big, you know, like sweet 16. And in in the Hispanic culture, I think it's 15 is the is the big age, right? I think that's that's kind of an older thing, just because if you think about it, people used to get married by 18. So if you were 16, it's like you're you're almost you're you're almost an adult now because you're going to get married by 18. 
you're gonna you're gonna have a husband. <laughs> so sixteen is like, yeah, you know, you're, this is your last chance because uh, you know, in a couple of years, by twenty, you're probably gonna get married. I posted a picture up on my birth uh, for my birthday. I had this candle, and I think I talked about it. You know, age twenty one, you were supposed to be getting married by then, married with a kid probably. But they still have this the the sixteen or the fifteen card. And then things seem to go up in increments of zeros and fives. As I've said many times, we love things with zeros and fives. That's why, hey, it's the 400th um, podcast. Woo, it's got a zero at the end. But here's my rule based on personal experience. I think if you want to send somebody a card with an age on it, I think you stop sending those age cards at 30. (laughs) Now, I know they make them for 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and probably 75 and 80. And now more people are living into their 90s, 90 and 100, I'm sure. And I think there's a certain point where you are happy about your age. There's there's two areas that you celebrate your age, but there's a middle ground where you go, oh, I don't want to be reminded by that. I think if you turn... You know, I mean, obviously, you know, you're 21. Okay, you're an adult, right? You can drink and all that. You know, you know, you're 18. Oh, you know, you know, you're 20. You, you like that. You sound older. You always want to be older until you're older. Then you don't want to be older anymore. But when you're younger, you always want to be older. And then when you're older, you always want to be younger. <laughs> oh, I love the the the, the human mindset, right? So I think that, you know, I always, I I think 30 was a good age. You know, it's like, okay, you know what? I made it through my 20s and now I'm 30. I think I always, I liked my 30s a lot. I I, I liked my 30s. You weren't a kid anymore, but you weren't an old, you didn't have, you weren't like an older person. You were like smack dab in the middle there kind of and, where you you were getting confident in who you were and and what you were and and what you wanted to be you weren't so worried about the peer pressure when you're in your teens and your 20s you're so worried about measuring up to to expectations or measuring up to your friends or your whatever it was there's always this internal kind of measuring but to me when you get to your 30s you almost don't you start you you don't care as much you you care about who you are. You've, you've gone through those other decades and you are forming your personality and your, your likes and your dislikes and you want to stand for something and be your own person. You don't want to always be a part of the crowd. You embrace your individuality, I think, when you get into your 30s. I think in your teens and your 20s, you surrender your individuality to the group, to the larger group, whether it's your family or your friends or your peer group. 
But I think by 30, you begin to embrace your individuality. You become the person that you either are or that you hope to be through the experiences that you have gathered up to that point. I always liked my 30s. So I don't mind. I, I think 30 is a good year to still get a card to say congratulations on your 30th birthday. So you get the 30 card. But I think when you when you reach 40, you're beginning to realize that you're getting older. Your body is feeling older. Your body is changing. You can feel it. You can see it. 40 is far from over the hill. Now, there used to be. I don't know if they still have it, but like at card shops and stuff, I don't know if they even do that anymore because we're such a narcissistic society anymore. But back then, like 20, 30 years ago, they used to say like, if you got a, for your 50th birthday party or your 60th birthday party, they would have this, this, this pre-made stuff called, you know, happy 50th over the hill. I don't see over the hill parties anymore. Nobody's saying you're over the hill anymore when you're 40 or 50 or 60. People don't want to hear that. Once again, it's narcissism. Before, it's kind of a joke. Ah, oh, you're over the hill. You're an old man. You're an old lady. <laughs> but now no one wants to hear that. We're in a, we're in a world of plastic surgery, and, and everybody's working out, and everybody's taking pictures of themselves. And so they're very cognizant of how old they are and how old they look and how old they feel. And you don't tell anybody they're over the hill. That used to be kind of a running joke, but that's not a joke anymore. You know, in today's world, we are offended by the slightest thing. Even when someone tries to compliment you, it seems like people try to find there's got to be something offensive about that comment. <laughs> people are inadvertently uh, you know, offending people. They're trying to give them a, a compliment, but we're so sensitive in today's world, especially the younger generation, that they see an insult in every comment. But I don't hear that even that joke anymore or th- those party favors that say, oh, welcome, you're 50 and you're over the hill. They used to be black. And it used to be like with a big explanation point, over the hill. I don't see that anymore. Now, once again, I don't hang out at car shops. Maybe that's still there. But I think in today's world, I don't think people want to be told or reminded that they're over the hill. And because we're such a youth-oriented society, even more so, as I said to you many times, 14 and 15-year-olds are pretty much dictating our culture right now. In everything, from the way we behave to the kind of entertainment that we see, the kind of food that we eat, you name it. They, 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 they rule the technology world, and the technology world rules us. Everybody's taking pictures. Everybody's taking selfies because that's what the kids do. Everybody's texting. Everybody's using slangs and, and letters, LOLs and all that other BS because that's what the kids do. Everybody's making TikTok videos because that's what the kids do. So I don't think anybody even in their 40s or their 50s and certainly their 60s or 70s want to be told they're over the hill. So that's why I think this is just a little rule that you might want to file away. And maybe it's something that is affecting you. But I don't think you want to either send out a card 
or receive a card that says happy 40th or happy 50th or happy 60th or happy 65th. I don't think people want to be reminded of that. I think like 40 to 65 is that middle time. As I said before, you want to be, when you're younger, you want to be older, and when you're older, you want to be younger. I don't subscribe to that that ridiculous phrase, well, you know, uh, 60 is the new 40. <laughs> no, it's not. Not if you're 40. If you're 40, you don't want to be compared to a 60-year-old. Well, you know, uh, 40 is the new 20. Well, not if you're 20. If you're 20, you're like, hey, don't, don't put me into a, a group with some old 40-year-old. The only people that are using that phrase are the older people. The people that are the real, are those ages are being compared to, they don't use that phrase because they don't want to be in the older group that's 40 or 50 pretending that they're that age. No, no, they don't, they don't want you around. So I don't use that, oh, this is the new this. That's no, it's not. Not if you're the real, not if you're really that age, the younger age. You don't want to be, you don't want to be in the group with that. Well, then you could say that if you're 40 or if you're, you're 20, that, well, 20 is not the new 10. You know, 10 is not the new zero. Oh, you know, 10 is the new embryo. <laughs> you know, no, you can't keep going here. So I don't use that phrase. It doesn't. It 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 it. it it's just. It's it's not clever. I don't like it. But I I think that 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 middle age between like thirty and sixty five, or say forty and sixty five, is that ear that age group where you don't really want to be reminded about your age, and you 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 want to be. You know, you you don't even want to know. You want to be mysterious. Now, I think when you turn 70 or 80, then I think you probably turn and go, hey, hey, I'm I'm 70. You I think you tell people when you're 70 and when you're 75 and when you're 80 and when you're 85. I think you do because you're like, hey, look at me. I'm still around. But that 40 to 65 is that gray area where you're not, you're, not, you're not too happy about that age because you're sort of in that middle. You can't really, you can't really pretend you're young, but you don't want to feel you're that old. I mean, look at, look at the way they break up the demographics. You know, it's like 18 to 24 and 24 to 32 and 32 to 54. And then it's 55 and over. You know, all these demographics are like, you know, five, six, seven, eight years in between, 10 years in between. And then when you hit 55, you as a 55, you are in a group with a 95-year-old and a 100-year-old. You're 55 and over. So the way the demographic goes, once you hit 55, your peer group is not a 45-year-old. Your peer group is a 95-year-old, 55 and over. You're all together. Put them all in, in some corral somewhere. 55 and over. Everything else is 18 to, you know, 25 to 54. There's a good 20 years there. Okay, fine. I'm in that cool group. And then you're 55 and over. 
A 55-year-old is in the same peer group as a 100-year-old. <laughs> so I think, but, you know, you stop sending the birthday number card after 30. And maybe you could pick up again at 70 or 80. Because I think the 70-year-old or the 80-year-old is kind of happy or proud of that. Hey, I made it to 70. Hey, I made it to 80. Hey, I made it to 90. That's an accomplishment. I was joking. I was People were saying, you know, are you going to have a birthday celebration? I said, I'll have a celebration when I'm 85. That's an accomplishment. But until then, everything's just like this 400th uh, you know, podcast. It's just a number to get to where you want to go. So as a rule, I would say if you want to send out a number birthday card, you do that up to age 30. But then I don't think you send the 40 card. I don't think you send the 50 card. I don't think you send the 60 card. I don't even think you send the 65 card. I think you send maybe the 70 card. Maybe the 75 card. I think you could send the 80 card. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good number in the 85 number, in the 90 card. But I think between like 60 or like 30 and, and 70, I don't know. I was talking to a cousin of mine the other day on my birthday. And we're talking, telling stories about my dad. And he was really a character. And um, I never heard this story before. <laughs> and my one cousin said, well, you know, there was one time when we went out um, uh, to a dinner uh, or we were somewhere with your dad and the waitress came by and I'm not sure if my dad either brought this up or the waitress did. I, somehow age came up. And my dad at the time was 60, okay? <laughs> but he told the waitress, and I don't know how this topic came up, but and they couldn't remember, but my dad was 60 at the time, and he told the waitress that he was 85, <laughs> okay? And so... <laughs> You know, the waitress said, wow, you're 85? You look great. And, of course, everybody at the table knew my dad's age. They knew he wasn't 85. In fact, he didn't live to be 85. He was only 78 when he died. But but he said, I'm 85. And so much so, the waitress was so impressed that she called over her, one of the other waitresses and said, hey, you know, can you believe this guy is 85 years old? And so when the, the waitress went away, you know, the people that were at my dad's table said, what, why are you telling her that you're 85? And he said, well, because if I'm 85, if, I'm, if I tell her that I'm 60, she'll probably think I look bad for my age. But if I tell her I'm 85, she's got to think I look Great for my age, which this woman did believe. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? As 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 crazy as that logic is, it kind of makes sense when you're getting to that 
tear up your life. <laughs> so let me just pass this on uh, as somebody that uh, just had a birthday. Uh, we'll hopefully have many, many, many more. Um, I think a good fast rule, if you're still sending out birthday cards, if you're one of the people that are still doing that, all I can tell you is I I appreciated and enjoyed all the online birthday wishes that I got from people. So I said, close to 500. It was very very overwhelming and very humbling and very nice. But there was still, at least maybe it's my mind, my old school mind, but there was still something kind of cool and kind of nice to get that hard copy birthday card. It comes in the mail. You open it up. I displayed them out on the, on the kitchen counter. For about a week, as I told you, a week is as much as you go, I think, in terms of accepting birthday wishes. On January 15th, I took all the cards down. My birthday is the 8th. I kept them up until the 15th. Cards come down. Seven days. Done. So there was still there was something kind of cool about receiving a hard copy birthday card. But I don't know if we really should judge people or judge our station in life by how many, you know, how, how are we liked or remembered by people that send hard copy birthday cards because I just don't know how many people are really using the snail mail, the fact that it's called snail mail. I don't know how many people are really using the mail like that on a regular basis. People are texting. People are emailing, people are posting electronically. And that seems to be the accepted mode of communication today. There is, I think, that small group, and maybe it's that that real small group that's like family and real close friends that, that take that little extra effort to buy the card, choose it, sign it, mail it, you know, stamp it, lick the envelope, go to the mailbox. So I hope that the birthday card doesn't go away because there's something about it that does give a little special more meaning to that very special day. But whatever you do, after 30, do not send one with a number. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 400. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of my mind. 
to your ears. Four hundred.